everybody. Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And today we are going to be diving deep into the second wave of phase one of the High Republic. They will not say how many waves each phase will be, but we know of three phases. (laughs) It's a little confusing. It's like, okay, we are in wave two of phase one. Yeah. It's like the MCU. Personally, I think it's going to be a trilogy of trilogies. Yeah. But they didn't say. That would make sense. Without giving anything away, this is wave two. I would say this is a darker middle chapter. It's 100% the darker darker middle chapter. So you're right. Like, I think you're right that there's going to be three waves and, like... Yeah. it It's so far, and I wonder if you felt this, too. It feels paced like at least the prequels and the original trilogy how, like, time has passed and we're, like, checking back in. Yeah. And then, like, other books and other media is, like, filling in, like, little blanks mm-hmm. here and there. Yeah, like, I haven't gotten into the comics yet and I feel like I'm missing out now. Yeah, all the Avar stuff's in the comics. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, we've reviewed Light of the Jedi. Neither of us necessarily really liked Light of the Jedi, Um Not that it was bad, it was just not for us. Um, And I finally feel like I have fallen into the High Republic with Mm -hmm. this wave. Like, this is my stuff. Like, this is is good. This is good stuff. This is that, like, high tier, this is what we're here for. Um, before we get into all of that, and we will be talking spoilers, um, we're going to kind of divide this up into spoiler-free versus spoilers. We will make sure to warn you guys before we talk spoilers, because as of us recording this, um, today is the release day, um, so we want to make sure that you guys have time to read the books and not be spoiled if you don't want to be spoiled. But, um, first of all, um, Alex, and I suppose I, because I also recommend this, um, has a recommendation. Um, well, I think we, did we recommend it last time? I think Loki. we did. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, Loki is still going strong. I mean, ep- episode three, though? Yeah. We didn't talk we about episode three. I was going to say, we haven't recorded since episode three came out, and it's my favorite episode. I don't know what you're doing if you're not watching Loki. Yeah, who isn't watching Loki right now? I feel like this... It was kind of the same with WandaVision, but it feels more like The Mandalorian, where it's like even, like, regular people were watching The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I got my... And, like, my mom really liked WandaVision, so I, I've been kind of, like, encouraging her to watch Loki, so um, I watched Loki with her. I watched the first two episodes with her. This was before the third episode came out. Um, and she was laughing, and, like, she doesn't know anything about the MCU. <laughs> she's like, seen she's, Endgame. She's seen Endgame, which does not have Loki in it. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I guess it it does in, like, flashbacks, kind of. Oh, well, he she sees him steal the Tesseract. <laughs> yeah, and then that scene is also in Loki. Right. Yeah, no, my mom, um, to quote her... I don't like Loki. He's bad. Um, but I was like, <laughs> yes, well, we're going to watch this anyway. And she likes it. So, yeah, right. Yeah. And? Yeah. No, my mom, like, I, she was, like, laughing, like, hysterically at, That's at this awesome. show. <laughs> no, it's it's written so well. And I love all the TikToks were like, um, yes, it seems that Loki has a really bad case of written by women. Yeah. 
I just, oh, so, so good. <laughs> there is so much depth to this show. Emotional depth. There is, like, it's the good stuff. It's <laughs> it's the good stuff. Um, who would have thought? Marvel's really good, y'all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that, that's getting old for us now, being, like, who would have thought? Now, now we're, like, fully cemented Marvel stands. I fear... But I'm still yeah, and then and then today, like the day that we're recording, the Black Widow um, em- review embargo dropped, and like the reviews are really good. I'm very surprised. I guess I'm not like I don't know. I still don't know what to think about Black Widow. But yeah. whenever I see Florence, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm here for no, that. Of course, like I'm still skeptical about a few things. But it's good to see that it's getting praise. I'm excited. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm really. I'm definitely gonna rent that on Disney Plus like the day it comes out. So moving into news and everything news related is of course about the High Republic. <laughs> this is Wave Two of the High Republic, as we have stated. If you have not started High Republic yet and you want to get into it, great news is everything from Wave One is on sale right now for eBooks. So you can get Light of the Jedi, Test of Courage, and Into the Dark on ebook for only $4.99 each this week only. After that, they'll go back, I guess, to their regular prices. So if Mm -hmm. you want to pick that up, you definitely should. Yeah, like like $4.99, you're not going to get a better deal than that. Yeah, and like Test of Courage is super great. I really that's probably my favorite yeah. one out in, of all the three of those. those. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think, and unfortunately, you really do need Light of the Jedi for yeah, you do. <laughs> for the Rising Storm to hit the way it does. <laughs> mm-hmm. You you do um, the Rising Storm is a sequel to the Light of the Jedi. Hundred percent. It's. <laughs> it is the last Jedi to the Force Awakens. So are we saying that Charles Souls JJ and um <laughs> and I don't know if I'd go that far yet. Kevin is Ryan. Kevin is def Kevin is definitely Ryan. <laughs> like, no doubt, like he is the Ryan Johnson of the publishing. He is. World. He is. Listen, Alex and I ranked the authors and we were spot on. <laughs> never been more obvious how spot on it was um but what like actually is going to be included in phase two and how long it's gonna go it's actually gonna go a lot longer than i thought i thought it was just you know like our three main books comics would keep coming out um the young adult novel is gonna come out at the end of july and then it would just be comics until then that's what i had assumed anyway um but they released a trailer for The High Republic today, and Wave 2 is The Rising Storm, Race to Crash Point Tower, The High Republic Comics, which are by Kevin Scott, The High Republic Adventures by Daniel Jose Older, Out of the Shadows, The High Republic Adventures by Kevin Scott and Rachel Stott, Tempest Runner, and The Edge of Balance. And The Edge of Balance comes out in September, so this wave is going to last us the rest of the summer, all the way to birthdays. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> so much. And then would you say you would expect wave three to be like February? Like I I feel like that would make sense because actually, you know, like that's when wave one came out in this year. Like it came out in into January, beginning of February kind of thing. Yeah. So or beginning of so, January. Like, we're looking at like a year and a half per phase. 
Yeah. Maybe. Which I think is, I think is paced pretty well. Like, I, I think that kind of makes sense. You know, like, have your winter release and have your summer release. Like, I, I kind of like that. It was a big gap, I feel, between wave one and two. Because if you weren't reading the comics, there wasn't anything else coming out. Um, whereas with this, there's going to be, obviously, comics. Um, but then there's also going to be The Tempest Runner, which is by Kevin Scott. It's another audio drama, just like Dooku Jedi Lost. And then The Edge of Balance, which is a um, manga by Justina Ireland, which I'm very excited for. Yeah, I love all the different mediums. It's mm-hmm. so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there are two authors missing from this list, uh, and that is Charles Soule and Claudia Gray. Yeah. So what do you think that means? What is she working on? What is she doing? I mean, like, I have this, like, dream that she's writing Aubergine, but, like, I- I'm going to assume she's still writing within the High Republic. And mm-hmm. I personally, there's two things that I would be happy with her doing. One would be a prequel novel about our main Jedi from Lay the Jedi, which are um, St- Stalin, Avar, and um, Elzar. I would love to see a prequel as them, as Padawans. Um, she could write that. She would do a great job writing that. Kevin could write that. He'd do a great job writing that. <laughs> um, my other, my second, um, I guess, wish that she could draw, uh, to uh, wish that she could read would be the third installment in the Light of the Jedi Rising Storm. Because, you know, you have to assume that the third installment will come in, in wave three of that. Right of the adult book because they are it is a sequel right yeah i that's kind of what i'm leaning towards that she's writing the third book Mm -hmm. um my other thought would be that it'd be charles soul again which i i just hope that it's not because i'd I'd love for each of them to write like an adult novel do you think that charles would do ya like because there's no ya there right uh, Out of the Shadows is the YA book. No, but for Wave 3. Oh, yeah. Like, if they're yeah. talking about announcing Wave 3 stuff. If they're talking about announcing Wave 3 stuff, I feel like the YA could be Daniel Older, maybe. Okay, but then where, where does that leave Charles? I don't know. <laughs> because, like... I mean, I'm guessing this this ne- like next run of Higher Public Adventures with Kevin and Rachel is still that's still part of Wave Two. Like everything until Edge of Balance is Wave Two. So, I honestly have no idea. I feel Wait, like Tempest Justine- Runner. Tempest Runner is still Wave Two. Yeah, Tempest Runner is still Wave Two. So Kevin, out of all of them, has like the most going He's on. Busy. He's a busy bee. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas Claudia is nowhere to be found, and yeah. yet we there was a panel like a Q and A last night, and Claudia is glowing. She's yeah, that's the first thing I said when the stream turned on. I was like, "What is Claudia doing? She is I've never seen her glow like this." Yeah, I don't. I don't. <laughs> she looks know. so healthy and just like happy, like just yeah. yeah. Like in so like in my mind, I feel like. Charles Soule is like a Marvel comics and an adult novel. 
Kevin is everything. Just Kevin and Claudia are everything. Justina and DJ Older are like the middle grade YA adventure. Yeah, but then you have Daniel Older writing something like Last Shot, which is amazing. That book is that book is amazing. Like that's and that's adult. But do you think that that fits the tone of where we've been going with our adult novels so far? Not necessarily, but I think he's. I, I think like. Um, older is like versatile enough to to be able to do that. I'm just saying, like he like that book is great. Doesn't mean that like a High Republic adult book would have to be like that. But I that's, do this, think that's he's, true. Pinning him is middle grade. I, I, he's all over the place. That I I agree with that. I I do agree with that. And I I honestly would really love to see Justina try an adult novel as well. Yeah. Um, I guess I guess the reason I say that is because so far she's only written middle grade and young adult for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So, and, and whatever she, you would classify the manga as. Yeah, I, and I was going to say I don't think she's written adult outside of Star Wars. She's done YA. I don't think so either. Yeah, she's done YA and in middle grade. So. Yeah. So I I I think Claudia writing third installment in the the. Light of the Jedi Rising Storm trilogy would be perfect. Yeah, I think, that's, I think it's that's, likely. I really hope so. And here's, okay, so <laughs> here's the thing, right? Um, I mean, I guess Avar, Avar is really getting, like, her time in the comics, but you could say The Light of the Jedi is Avar's book and Rising Storm is Stellan's book, mm-hmm. so the third one would be Elzar's book. Yeah. And there's a lot going on with him that I think Claudia is the perfect person yeah. to explore. She is. She is. We'll we'll get into that more when we get get into Rising Storm. But I agree with you. And like the other thing is I don't think a woman has written Avar yet. That's correct. And I think that needs to happen. I Because agree I with think that. I got a certain vibe from Avar from reading The Light of the Jedi that I was surprised by little tidbits of information we got from her in The Rising Storm. That I was like, oh wait, like she she's not how I pinned her to be. I agree with that. And I would say like when I read Light of the Jedi, I wasn't, like Avar wasn't somebody I was attracted to because no. she's so like perfect. She's not that she's like a like a Mary Sue, which like whatever, but it just I there wasn't really anything about her that I kind of liked. And then in the comics, she she's kind of like a mentor because it's it's really about I forget the Jedi's name. I think her name's Keeve. Um, Like it's her story and like Avar is in it. So like you see Avar dealing with like the Hutt cartel and like all that kind of stuff. But I like her better in the comics, which are, of course, by Kevin. So. Oh, yeah, and, like, she's not even in The Rising Storm, but Kevin is able to, like, lay down a few things about her from other characters' point of view that added to her character. Well, because her not being there meant <laughs> a lot for other characters, yeah, the fact that so, she wasn't there. So, yeah, like, now I'm all of a sudden, I'm like, I need more Avar. So that's why I'm like, oh, I want to go to the comics now. I wasn't really interested in them before. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really excited. 
Well, and you've got a nice little nest egg built up because I think issue five or six yeah. is about to come out. Well, I so. wonder if they're starting to sell them um, compiled Ooh, yeah. yet. Yeah, I bet with Wave 2, I bet that's going to happen for this yeah, one. Yeah, I'm going to look into it after we record because I would mm-hmm. totally buy it. Yeah, I I recommend it. I think you'll like them. I've liked every single one. Um, the main villain in that is the Dren Gear. Um, oh, mm-hmm. so you get to learn a lot more oh about my that. God. Shannon bought a Dren Gear shirt today. It's so cool. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Listen, I had to, right? I have a mm-hmm. degree in Dren Gear. <laughs> <laughs> I have one with the Dren Gear. Yeah, there's merch for Higher Public on Hot Topic and Shop Disney. It's actually really nice. I actually it's really like crazy it. how much there is. I know, right? I was surprised at how many shirts there were. I just, like, I mean, we're super into books, mm-hmm. but, like, it, They're pushing it, it is hard. there enough people that are into the High Republic that it, like, is actually getting this much merch? Do you think they're going to make pops if the merch goes oh well. God. Okay, I had this conversation with someone else, and no, I don't, because I think there should have been resistance pops. Oh, well, of course there should have been. <laughs> and I think that's kind of telling that, like, they didn't do resistance pops, so, like, why would they do book pops? I think it's because they didn't believe in resistance and they let but, it die on the vine. But when, okay question do you know of any book pops that are not from books that are made into movies or tv no yeah. <laughs> i don't mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're also but the higher public's also comics yeah but like again how many um comic funkos are there that don't also have movie versions I get. I just want. I want to. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying like lower your expectations. Have you seen him? (laughs) Have you seen this man? I am an Elzar stan. (laughs) No, so am I. But unfortunately, he's not the attractive one on the cover. I mean, they're both. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, my fan cat and like my fan cast was based on the fact that I thought the bearded one was Elzar. I fan cast Elzar as William Turner. Yeah. So. There are no ugly people in the High Republic. This is true. Everybody <laughs> is very attractive. <laughs> um, which, speaking of covers, we also got um, the cover for The Tempest Runner, which is the audio drama, as I said. Um, and it has Lorna D on the cover. And she's one of the Nile. And I think it's really funny that until I saw this, I didn't know what Tempest Runner was about, even though it's obviously about the About the Tempest Runners, yeah. (laughs) Listen, sometimes my brain just won't connect those two dots. It just, there is no connection. Okay, so I think moving into the panel, we didn't get a whole lot out of this Q&A, really. Nothing new, but I mean, like, we got um, great camaraderie between all the authors. Yeah, they're really... Every time I see them together, <laughs> it reminds me of Celebration. Like, yeah. It, they're, su- they're such a good, like... <laughs> Back in the Project Luminous days. <laughs> the Project Luminous. are like, ooh, what is this? <laughs> yeah, that was, like, just shuffled in at the end of that panel, and they're like, hmm... What is this peculiar thing that we didn't even get an announcement in that panel? (laughs) 
Um, but they did say that it's confidential how many waves each phase will have. Um, so we're not sure where we're going. We still we are still in phase one. Um, they are currently planning things for phase three. And Kevin is working on, like, issue 12 of the comics. So they are many steps ahead. It's crazy. Like, <laughs> they're already planning that far out. Yeah. That makes me so happy because the sequel trilogy wasn't planned. Yeah. <laughs> no matter how much we thought it was. <laughs> and I have to imagine, even, like, even at the beginning, they knew where, like, all the phases are going. But, like, he's probably fleshing out a little bit more detail than initially. Mm-hmm. Like, these people are planners. Like Every single one of them. <laughs> yeah. I have to wonder, like, how the High Republic came to be. If, if Lucasfilm was just fed up with, like, the way other things were doing, like, that they didn't have any control over and they wanted to just have a clean slate to make something amazing. I think that's entirely possible because I I think that the problem with the sequel trilogy was that corporate got really yeah. involved. No one's going to touch books. They're not yeah. going to touch them. Yeah, nobody will touch books. And, like, that was the problem because then the story group was trying to build up the lore around the sequel trilogy and then like, films would contradict, or they weren't allowed to do certain things, and it's it was just really a shame, and I think it's really telling that with the higher public, they're touching, like, every bit of media they can. Like, every visual media is going yeah. to be covered. Yeah, or even getting the acolyte, like... Yeah. Oh my, I forget, I forgot that that's part of the higher public. <laughs> it's, like, right end, after. Yeah, like, isn't like it, terrible. like, it's, like, 50 years before the pandemic, so, like, it's not like we're going to see all the characters in no. books in that show. We're going to see, like, Yoda, maybe. <laughs> I still think it's funny that Yoda is in the higher public. I always forget, because he's in yeah, the adventure comics, which I haven't read yet. Like, he, he gets, like, mentioned in um, in The Rising Storm, and I'm just like, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's like, because um, there's so much crossover between the adventure comics and uh, Crash Point Tower. So he's mentioned a lot. And yeah. I just, I want to read the adventure comics. I just haven't... Figured out how. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, are there any um, comic book shops, like, in your neighborhood? Uh, no, not really. And, like, I'm okay with, like, buying them online. I just yeah. want to make sure I can read them somehow, <laughs> you know? But we also got, um speaking of the adventure comics, uh, the Vessel Squad from Into the Dark is going to appear in those. And we've already seen a panel that has Geode in it. Geode? He's so much more square I than I thought Geo he was. Funko. Yeah, I Yeah, that's what I want. I want to... Listen, they could just sell rocks and just say it's Geode, and I would buy <laughs> them. Like... <laughs> I don't even, you don't even have to, like, make it look like whatever Geo's supposed to look like. Just sell me a rock. That would be so cool if they did, like, High Republic McDonald's toys. Oh, my God. <gasps> Do, like, I want, like, full Phantom Menace, like, marketing. <laughs> yeah. No, but can you imagine, like, you do, like, High Republic McDonald's toys, and then included in the Happy Meal, you include, like, a mini comic. So, That'd like, kids so get, cute. like, introduced to the High Republic through Happy Meals, and then they want to read, like, the middle grade stuff. 
Yeah. See, like, Chick-fil-A already does stuff like that. Like, they give out books instead of, like, toys. Mm-hmm. So, like, that wouldn't surprise me if they tried to do something like that. That'd be really, really cool. McDonald- I don't know about there, but McDonald's has books here, too. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. It's been a long time since I've gotten a Happy Meal with a toy in it. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, what else? Uh, they mentioned that they check in with each other about their characters, which, love that. Awesome. Keeps that continuity. They confirm. well, they didn't really confirm, but they talked about seeing the Jedi from the back for cosplayers, and for some reason, Charles thought that was a sexy question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, okay, Charles. Um, but then, like, the last thing was just that more news would be coming next month. We don't know when, um... Out of the Shadows comes out at the end of next month, so or this month, depending on when this episode is released. Um, so it, more news is coming. There's a lot still to come with they this. They announced an announcement. They announced an announcement. Mm-hmm. Just calling the Canadian government. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's get into what we've gotten so far, which is The Rising Storm by Kevin Scott and Race to Crash Point Tower by Daniel Jose Older. There might be some things from the comics that we might talk about, but for now, let's keep it spoiler-free um, and tell me, like, where are we at? Like, what did you think of these books? What's going on? Okay. Um, both of them, pacing-wise, really good, I think. I think you had a bit of pacing issues with with Rising Storm, mm-hmm. um, but for the most part, I think that Rising Storm and Race to Crash Point Tower were both easy reads. Like, they were, they were captivate. they were both very captivating books that kept my attention. I agree with that. Which is great. Like, yeah. and, and Race to Crash Point Tower was a really short book. Like, it's not a big commitment, like, whatsoever. Um, and both of them have the Republic Fair in common. hmm um, Well, um, Crash Point Tower takes place within the Rising mm-hmm. Storm. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, we both read Crash Race to Crash Point Tower first, and I wanted to ask you this, because I think if you're going to read both, maybe read Rising Storm first. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Because, like, I, I kind of... There's characters that overlap. Um, there's a new character named Ty, and so you, you, like, you kind of already know where she is, like, what she's doing. You kind mm-hmm. of already know a little bit about, like, what's going to happen at this fair. I think... Yeah. I think you're fine if you read Crash Point Tower oh, first. yeah. Like, 100%. Not, it wasn't a bad experience, but I think I think you're saying it's more cohesive if you read it in that order. Yeah. Um, is there anywhere that kind of suggests that? Like, are, are they saying anything? Every time they have been asked what order you should read the books. They always say release order. But then, like, yeah. same thing happened last time. Like, two books came out on the same day. Yeah. And last time as well, Light of the Jedi took place before A Test of Courage. And I read, like, A Test of Courage first. And, like, it's fine because those don't, like, overlap really. But mm-hmm. it seems like the adult novel does come first okay. is what I'm kind of seeing here. Yeah. It, it wasn't a bad experience reading middle grade first. It's, but you're right. Like, I think if you're listening to this right now and you haven't read them, read Rising Storm first. Yeah. That's what I think. I do think, though, despite them saying, you know, like, you do kind of need to read them in, like, release order and, like, yes, um, Race to Crash Point Tower comes out in wave two. 
But what I really liked about it is that it is, it has a lot of crossover with the adventure comics, but like, I haven't read them. I didn't feel like I needed to read them for it to make sense, but it makes me want to read them. And then like, Vernestra is in it. Vernestra is also in like a test of courage. If you haven't read that, I feel like it makes you want to yeah. learn more about Vernestra. For someone who hasn't read any of the comics yet, Vernestra is like the character for me that I'm seeing everywhere. Yes, I agree with that. I agree with that. She is even mentioned in the comics as well, I believe. I can't figure out exactly like what all she's doing. She's like in charge of like looking into the Nile and kind of looking into the Dringir a little bit. Um, and somehow that's going to cross over because she's a main character in the next YA novel, which is Out of the Shadows. Mm-hmm. And neither of us have read that yet, but we're going to be reading it soon. Yeah, we both have it. We just haven't read it quite <laughs> yet. I liked Wave 1. Like, Wave 1 was good. I was into it. But I'm, like, so excited for Star Wars after these yeah. two books. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, Star Wars is good again, is the way I feel right now. It's not that Star Wars is good again, because I think, like you said, like, Wave 1 is good. But it doesn't necessarily cater to our life. (laughs) And I think Wave 2 catered to us more. I think so, too. Which, honestly, that's not a bad thing. Like, it's giving you a little bit of everything. And that's, I mean, that's a good thing. They're trying to get a wide audience for these books. I I don't know why Star Wars Publishing has been hiding Kevin away from (laughs) writing novels. Oh my god. He should have been writing novels years ago. They like (laughs) snuck him in and just like, here's Dooku Jedi Lost. It's an audio drama. And everybody's like, what? I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, and we both love that. It was so good. Like, we should have known, which I feel like we did. Yeah. Like, we, we did know. <laughs> Not to this extent. I, I, um, wow. Kevin Scott, everyone. Yeah. Would you say where, like, for both of us, we really liked The Rising Storm. Where would you say, like, you rank it? Doesn't have to be exact, but, like, out of it's Star high. Wars books. It's high up. It's probably in my top three. Yeah. I I think it's my four or my five. Yeah. Like, 100%. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think anything can, like, dethrone, you know, Dark Disciple, Lost Stars, Inferno Squad, but I think it's it's right after those. I think I'm going to, um, if I can get it, I'll try listening to the Rising Storm audiobook. Ooh, that's a good idea. Because the audiobooks are always so good, and... I really like this book, and I think, like, I'm like, oh, I want to, like... Read it again. Read it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a really good idea. Um, Lay the Jedi is not a read again for me. It's not. <laughs> and, like, here's the thing. I almost feel like I need to reread parts of it. Yeah. Because and I feel like the problems with it couldn't be helped. Like, it was a lot of info dumping. They needed to introduce us. Yes. But it was still boring. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then Ka- I, I literally, I said this in my, um, review, it's like Kevin read my mind. It was like, you thought that was boring? I got you, honey. <laughs> like, oh, Kev. <laughs> and every, every trope that you could have ever wanted and everything. Within this book. Go. Yes. Um, and like, I, I do think Race to Crash Point Tower 
works really well, like, in tandem with it. Race to Crash Point Tower is, like, non-stop. Yeah. It's so fast-paced. Talk about the pacing. Um, it doesn't slow down. No. It, there's, there's so much happening. Yeah. I, see, like, my pacing issue with Rising Storm is that I think the, there's, like, a big action sequence. I think it goes on just a hair too long. Whereas, like, Crash Point Tower is, like, all action, no stopping, let's go. And honestly, it's really fun. It just works. I I was going to say, I think the action in Crash Point Tower caters to character growth. Yes. More so than you're talking about, I, I know the scene you're talking about in Rising Storm where you're saying it gets a little slow. Like, it's not necessarily catering to any character growth. Yeah. I the thing that I liked though, so like I keep going back to the great disaster in Light of the Jedi where like that takes that's good 100 pages of the ship crashing. <laughs> and there's so many points of view and a lot of them don't continue. Um whereas like the action sequence in The Rising Storm, there's like maybe four points of view Three of them are major characters, and every single one leaves off with you, like, wanting more, and I feel like it it just paces really well. The reason I think it goes on too long is because there's, like, there's the dogfight in the air. That's what I thought kind of was a little bit too much, because it was about a character Mm -hmm. that you have met before, and, like, it's fine, but I was like, I don't really need to see this until Big Boy shows up, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I also, I also do think as, so, like, you're saying Rising Storm has, like, all these points of view, but then they come, more of them kind of start to cross over into each other as the book goes on, so then you're losing the amount of POV changing you're getting, and I think that's when things slow down a little bit, Mm because when you're, when you're changing the, the POV, like, every chapter, and and it takes, like, four chapters to return back to that POV, that's going fast paced because Kevin Scott is ending every chapter on a cliffhanger and you're like, no, I need to know what happens to this character. And then he's, he's putting you right into a different story. Yeah. And you're like, and, and that happens for every single chapter. You're invested in all of the characters. Well, like that's what he does that I think works so well. Cause like mm-hmm. you're so invested in like this thing that's happening. You're invested in this thing that's happening. Whereas like with Light of the Jedi, it was like, introducing these people that you don't know yet and like you don't care about yet mm-hmm. and you stuff was happening like that book started with action and then the rest like the middle of the book was like establishment and then it ended with action whereas the rising storm 50% of it is build up and like establishing these characters this book is paced like the titanic <laughs> like it's it, it's, it really is and then like you get a lot of action and then you get, like, a little bit of resolution, and then you end with, like, another battle. And it felt so high stakes, and the tension was really high, and I think it's because everything was established before the action. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, not to say that Light of the Jedi is bad, because it is good. It's just not the rising storm. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to mention spoiler-free? Um... Please go read these books. You don't want to, don't, and don't continue listen to, listening to us. You don't want to be spoiled. 
Um, these books are delightful. Um, you want to be surprised by some of the twists and turns. Um, the, the character growth that um, Tavin specifically puts the characters through. There's a lot of inner turmoil with characters. But um, I think that's as far as I'm going to go without spoiling. Yeah. I So much of it was just unexpected. Like, I, I just wasn't expecting either of these to really go the places that they went. And I think that was what was so great about it. Like, it just was, like, really, really spectacular. So, yeah, like, you definitely should read them. If you haven't been spoiled, I would stay unspoiled. You can come back and chat with us once you finish the books. We will still be here because we're going to talk about these books forever. (laughs) All right. So I think we are ready to move into spoilers. This is officially spoiler territory. If you are still listening, you are going to be spoiled for these books. You are about to be spoiled. For what's gonna happen? We should we should put a timestamp in our notes too. Yes, this I will. Is I'll, I'll put a little I'll put a little note in there. So, where should we start? I guess let's start like before we get into either one of these books. Tell me about like the time period. How much time has passed? Where are we? What's going on? It's been a year, and we're on a planet called Valo, um, and it is the location of the Republic Fair that um, our Chancellor is putting together to kind of represent strength in the Republic to show that like, oh, we're prospering, we're fine, let's all come together and celebrate our Republic. World Showcase, Epcot. It's, well, it's World's, it's World's Fair. It's like, like, I mean, I'm a Disney fan, so like, I love like stuff about like the 64 world's fair and then epcot obviously was like modeled after that kind of thing right yeah it's very world's fair when i was reading um race across my tower i told shannon i'm like this reminds me of tomorrowland like the disney movie brad bird's movie um there's a lot in there that just kind of like reminded me of like this like golden age and like oh like not 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 everything is as as it seems to be right like, um, these people that are, um, being like, oh, don't look over here, look at the shiny, prospering world, like, don't look at the man behind the curtain kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, because, like, you know, the great disaster happened, and, like, it, it's been a year, or, like, it's almost been a year, which surprised me. I couldn't believe, like, like, time had, like, really been passing, Mm -hmm. um, so that's really interesting. And there is unrest in the Senate for, like, how things have been handled. Like, people aren't so sure about, like, should we be trusting the Jedi all this much to protect us? Like, is yeah. the Republic everything it's, they say that they are? And yet, you know, like, Lena, is it is it Lena or is it Lena? I forget how you say her name. Okay. Lena? I think it's, I wrote it down somewhere i think it's lena lena so chancellor so chancellor so yeah chancellor so is like plowing on ahead with her great works and like keep going and her faith in the jedi yeah and like she believes in everything so much that she's televising all of it yeah and then we have a character like toon who is saying you know like it's not that i don't trust the jedi 
But the Republic needs to be able to stand on its own. Like we he be need right, forces. Though. Yeah, we we need we need to not always rely on the Jedi because but what what happens if something happens to the Jedi? <laughs> which is forecasting like he's forecasting what's gonna come in hundreds of years right yeah no i i think it's so interesting because i I think in like the beginning of the rising storm he's kind of painted as like you think he's i don't know he almost sounds like a separatist you know like from the Mm -hmm. from clone wars or he just sounds like like he doesn't believe in the jedi he thinks they're evil whatever but like you you really find out that like it's not that he just thinks that you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a really great quote from him. Like, So he's trying to push forward what he's called um, the Defense Force Program, which is basically creating an army for the Republic. And he says, The great disaster should have been a wake-up call, and yet what happened? Valuable credits that could have been used to establish a proper defense against the Nile plowed into the folly of the Republic fair. And I feel like that is... That literally is, like, the tone of, like, what these two books are and, like, what's going to happen. <laughs> There's one I, passage from the book. I don't have it. But um, a character is kind of like, well, we can't live in fear. We can't live expect. We can't, like, think about the Nihil, like, attacking because then we're always just going to live in fear and that's not good for the Jedi. But then on the other hand, like, obviously all these signs are pointing that this was a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I feel the tension in The Rising Storm is there from, like, the first page. Yeah. I mean, it, it opens with Elzar reflecting on the that dark vision he had. And mm-hmm. I feel like that just really tells you. Destruction. It's like, yeah, yeah. Something's going to go down. <laughs> Does Elzar, um, does Elzar remind you of Anakin? 100%. (laughs) Oh, is this boy Anakin? Yes. 100% he is. And you know who Obi-Wan is? It's Stellan. Stellan. Oh my god. Yeah. Kevin. (laughs) I, like, I don't even know where to start with these two boys. Like, I, I really, really don't. Um, I guess we're getting into, what. I guess we can circle back into Crash Point Tower, like, once we kind of get into, like, the the attack that gets kicked off here. Um, But the, like, first, like, 50% of Rising Storm is people arriving on Valo, getting ready for the Republic Fair, um, just kind of, like, learning the ins and outs of what's going to happen. And I would say that, like, this is the time where we get to learn a lot about Stellan Geos, and Elzar Man, and the type of Jedi that they are, and how they're friends, but also how they are very different from each other. They are very different, but very good friends. They're very Obi Wan and Anakin. My like to God. a T, to a T. Yeah. <laughs> um, though, like they're they're closer in age. Like they they grew up together. They were Padawans together with Avar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And like I said earlier, I would really like that prequel novel. I think the three of them as Padawans is like something that if they if they don't explore it, like what a missed opportunity. Yeah, I like I'm kind of questioning like if they would do it because like the way they're doing waves and phases, they're going forward in time. Like it's chronological. So would they do a prequel or potentially 
could they have a book that takes place in this timeline, but there's a lot of flashbacks in it? I mean, I'll take that too. I think it's kind of comes <laughs> down to like the nature of Star Wars right now is that it it jumps around. You know, yeah, like, like th- there is an order to things, but like it jumps back and forth. So it's like, is the higher public going to do that, or are we just going to keep pushing forward? I guess is the question. Um, it would be very interesting if, like, Phase Two was a prequel. I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but that would be interesting if they were like, all right, oh. let's completely echo the Skywalker Ooh. saga. Oh my god. Though I don't think that they could sustain doing prequel for that long. I don't either. Like, I think, like, what, like, I want the one book. Right. And, like, I'm not really interested in anyone else's prequel story. Yeah, like, I I don't think there's enough there, but I do think what's interesting about how everything is paced so far is that there are holes. So, like you could go back in time and tell their origin. You could go do a standalone story with, like, Marcheri and Roe. You could do a story about the Santecas. Like, they're opening these doors yeah. and, like, leaving these threads. So it's like, if we want to go back, there's still content to explore. Mm-hmm. I just desperately need the Padawan book. Mm-hmm. That's, like, that would be my dream book right now. Yes, 100%. Um, so I guess, the, I guess the question, um, do you want to start with Elzar or do you want to start with Stellan? Let's go Stellan first. Okay. <laughs> so Stellan Geos, Jedi, Republic, propaganda, golden boy. He's on the council. Mm-hmm. He's on poster all the posters. Boy. Poster boy. Like, he, but he hates it. He does. He doesn't want to be in the limelight the way that he mm-hmm. is. Um, yeah, he he really strikes me as someone who's kind of, who has to be social because of his position, but is very um, introverted and doesn't want to be in the spotlight, like, whatsoever. Yeah, I, I think he would much rather be, like, training Padawans, like, back on the temple or, like, just doing something on a smaller scale than being this galactic hero that he has kind of been, like, pushed into position to be. And it's really interesting, because when I was reading this book, did it give you Obi-Wan Kenobi, but Dark Disciple Obi-Wan Kenobi vibes? What do you mean, Dark Disciple Obi-Wan Kenobi? Like, how Obi-Wan was in that book. Like, he was seeing the Jedi do stuff where he was like, I don't know if I agree with this. Yeah. Which isn't necessarily what's happening to Stellan here, but I do think Stellan is having those moments mm-hmm. of, like, I don't want to be in this position, but I am. Yeah, yeah I see that. Mm-hmm. We also get uh, this wonderful description of him. Um, he's a handsome son of a blaster. That chiseled jaw beneath the dashing beard, those blue <laughs> eyes, the smile. <laughs> I love that. I love him. Like, I thought that the bearded man on the cover was Elzar. It is I'm still an Elzar girl. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, I, I am an Elzar girl because he is Anakin. But I'm also a Stellan girl because he is Obi-Wan. <laughs> like... <laughs> The duality of man. (laughs) 
I just, I don't... Two I don't, types of men. Two types of men. <laughs> Why not both? Look at Avar. <laughs> like, Avar is living the life. <laughs> She's got both of her dumb boys. But I think something that's interesting about Selen, and this is what... Elzar actually re- says of him is that everything is black and white for Stellan. Yeah. Like, there, he's very proper Jedi. He's very you don't you don't, like if you step out of line you need to improve yourself, you need to make that fix. Right. He, he believes in like everything the Jedi stand for. Light and life, yes. Light and life. Like he, he really is. Like I feel like we can't say this enough. Like he is Obi Wan Kenobi. Like what a Jedi is supposed to be. That's why he's the poster boy. Even though mm-hmm. he would rather be, I don't know, like watering plants or like reading a book. Like I have no idea. <laughs> Those are my head cannons. Is he a is he a soft, quiet boy? I would love that. <laughs> um, on the flip side. We have Elzar Mann, um, who just, the Anakin parallels can't stop, won't stop. Yeah, he, so, Selena and Elzar are best friends, grew up together, they're opposites. Elzar struggles with the Force, like, he struggles with his position within the Force, Um, He struggles with a lot of dark thoughts, dark visions. Um, He is... struggles with attachments. Capital A attachments. (laughs) Which is a theme, actually, in both of these books. Um, Mm -hmm. We're going to see Belle, who's another Jedi, deal with that. We see Lula in Crash Point Tower deal with that. Um... Elzar, it's on a little bit more of an adult level. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he he described in the first book, like, the Force is like a sea and he's drowning in it. Mm-hmm. Which just already, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, like, when I think about Light of the Jedi, like, the parts I like, my, my favorite scene was, like, that epilogue mm-hmm. with him and Avar, and there's that, like, moment... <laughs> So, like, there's that moment, right, between him and Avar where you're kind of, like, on this edge and you're, like, like, he wants to run away with her. Like, it's, like, clear, like, that's what he wants. But, like, he won't. He won't make the first move, like, but that's that's 100% what he wants. So then we get into this book and he's... Avar is supposed to come to the planet that Elzar is on, and she ends up not being able to make it, and that destroys Elzar. He like went, he like has like a tantrum. He went to like the landing platform, all excited to see her, and then she's yeah. not there. And he mm-hmm. he's like this other guy is there, and he's like, I don't mean to be like disappointed that it's you, but like yeah, it's. Okay, it's like an Attack of the Clones in the elevator scene with Obi-Wan and Anakin. It literally is. Like, oh my god. Yeah, when <gasps> Anakin's like, I haven't seen her for all those years. Like, I, like I'm like i still thinking about her, well, whatever it's, he says. It's been a year since he's seen Avar. Yeah, yeah, so it's like that. But if, if Padme hadn't shown up, like oh, Anakin's reaction my if Padme god. didn't show up. Well, and like, there's a bit later 
where he he's like feeling he's like in his feels and he's like feeling his emotions and we'll we'll talk about that but he thinks about avar and he thinks about how she rejected him at the Mm -hmm. end of light of the jedi and i didn't think about this until right now but if stellan is obi-wan and elzar is anakin would that make elzar padme or not Elzar, Avar. Yeah, Avar Padme. Avar. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Like, I feel like she is very... Like, they even go to Naboo, and I feel like it's it's very, like, Attack of the Clones, Anakin and Padme. Yeah. In Light of the Jedi, they go to Naboo. In, in Light of the Jedi, yeah. they go to Naboo. Yeah. Um, wow. So, yeah, so Elzar kind of, like, has, like, an emotional breakdown because Avar isn't coming like she is like his rock like she grounds him like I think that he recognizes that he's really struggling with some like something going on with his relationship with the force and it's like he's relying on her to ground him Mm -hmm. and be like you know like it's okay because Stellan won't understand Right. No, I I agree with that. And I I think um, at the very beginning of the book, it says, like, so so Elzar did what he always had done. He tried to solve the problem alone. And, like, the problem with that is he needs Stellan and Avar. um, And especially in his mind, like, he needs Avar. And I think that, you know, he'd been sensing that something was going to go wrong. He thought just by being on Valo, maybe it would stop. And then I think... He wanted Avar to be there because then if Avar was there, it was going to be okay. Like, if something happened, she mm-hmm. was there too. And then she wasn't. And so it's like, I don't know what... To, like, it completely knocks him off kilter. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> um, he is emotional. Like, we always learn about the Jedi, like, being masters of their emotions. And actually... Yeah. Um, it's said to Bell later, like, we, where is it? Um, Jedi can love. We're not droids, nor should we ever be. We are living creatures, rich in the Force, with everything that brings joy, affection, and y- yes, even grief. Experiencing such emotions is part of life. It is the light. A Jedi is a master of their emotions, never a slave. And I would say, especially Anakin, and it's really interesting choice of words since Anakin started as a slave was a hundred percent a slave to his emotions yeah and I think Elzar he's really trying and like he knows it's happening but Mm -hmm. he he's becoming overwhelmed yeah our poor boy I listen are we all Star Wars has to do are we at (laughs) All Star Wars has to do is, like, introduce a sad boy, and I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. Star Wars is great. (laughs) Are we going to talk about Elzar? Yeah, let's let's talk about what happens. So what does he do? So there's another character who he gets close with. Her name is Samura. And, like, there's one scene where fireworks are going off and everything, and they get all close, and they kiss, and there's a phase of black, right? Um, and then this book is very sexy, apparently. We weren't, um, we weren't ready. (laughs) No, 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 no. Well, here's the thing. So, like, 
like I said, uh, beginning of this book is like mostly set up, and she is like the coordinator. She's like in charge yeah. of setting up their public fair on Valo. She spends a lot of time with Elzar. There's like a scene where they have some like great flirty banter, and I was like, oh. And I remember mm-hmm. you messaging me, and she's like, but you're like, but who is the ship? <laughs> who is the <laughs> ship? Um, there are three with Elzar. I'm yeah. sorry. Elzar gets all all the ships. <laughs> like, I just, like, wow. Um, yeah, no. So there's some flirty banter going on there. And then you would message me later, like, because, like, things were heating up. And you're like, is there actually going to be smut in this book? And it's like, it's a Star Wars book. So no. But there is a fade to black. And, like, you messaged me and I said, like, that's the fade to black. And you were like, does that count? And then you kept reading. You were like, oh. Yeah. Well, it's because, like, it's not clear, like, the way that they jump between characters, because they come back to Elzar after the Fate of Black, him waking up naked. <laughs> There's, like, a, a big chunk, because the fireworks happen, and, like, the next day the fair opens, and that's mm-hmm. when, like, shit hits the fan, and Elzar's yeah. nowhere to be found, and that's because he's waking up naked in her bed. Yeah. And, like, and she's not there, and he remember he kind of reflects on the night before a little bit, which is sexy. Like, it is, like, I would say it's the most suggestive Star Wars has Ever been. Ever. Yeah, in that, in when he's reflecting on on what happened. Um, Now, like, I remember reading this and being like, this doesn't seem like a guy who is doing this for the first time. Like, it didn't seem, like... I didn't know. Like, I was like, I was like, okay. Like, he, even though he's kind of freaking out that he's, like, things are happening and he is, like, just waking up now and everything. Well, he's he's freaking out because, like, he he gave in and then all this stuff happened and he wasn't there. I I know, but it, like, I was like, okay, like, but there's more to this because I don't think that this is the first first time that this has happened to him. Because I think he would be freaking out more. Um... And then Kevin does this amazing thing later in the book and reveals a little bit more. And he reveals all this information, I think, in the perfect order. Because it really, like, leaves you wondering. And then there's a ball drop later. But I think we'll get to that later when we talk, talk about Ty. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I-, I was not expecting this to happen. And I just... This sets off, like... The beginning of this book, like, you know, Elzar's, like, really stressed because all this stuff is happening. And then, like, he gives in in this moment. And then, like, the Nile are attacking. Like, that's the thing. Like, I, I say that this book is set up just like the Titanic because it is. It's, like, all set up and it's getting you, like, really invested. And then the ship is sinking, <laughs> you know? Yeah. The Nile attack. They're attacking the sphere. And it is horrifying. Like, it, it's actually terrifying. Yeah, the, it's, like, like, super violent. It's super, super violent, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, they're blasting, like, music, which is called wreck punk. <laughs> um, like, over this fair, they've dispersed, like, these clouds. Like, nobody can see. Like, it is legitimately, like, so scary. And Elzar is, like, running into this, like, late. And, you know, like, like Samara's not even there. Like, he... He knows he messed up, and, like, these emotions are just going to keep building and building and building in him. Um, Before we get to that, though, um, I wanted to mention that, well, I guess before we get to that, let's talk about Bell and, like, what's kind of going on with him. Because I would say 
he he plays a very major role in this book as well. Yeah. So, like, Bell's master goes missing. He's taken at the end of Light of the Jedi. So, Bell is dealing with not having his master and not feeling any closure. He's really struggling with not feeling closure because... We find out later in the book that it's because he doesn't feel his master in the in the cosmic force. Right. Well, like, he's he afraid. Hasn't... He's afraid to reach out because he's afraid that he won't feel him. Um, which is interesting because, like, we know that Loden is still alive, but he doesn't. So I feel like if he hadn't have cut himself off in this way, he might have known that he was still out there. And he says, and what was he? A Padawan who tried to cut himself off from the Force so others wouldn't see how much he was hurting. Like, wow. Sad boy. <laughs> really sad boy. He goes through it in this book, too, because there... Yeah, he gets really injured. There's another attack, yeah, like, before yeah. all this, and he, like, straight up almost dies. Like, yeah, he, he's the he one who Yeah, 100% has... is, like, in Bacha for, like, over a week, I think. Yeah. Well, he's the one who has the Charhound um, mm-hmm. named Ember, and she's, I like, the Amber. only thing keeping him alive. Like, her barking. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. She's so good. She's she's the best dog. And it's funny that Stellan isn't good with animals. And yet Ember is, like, all over <laughs> Stellan. It's really funny. I actually really like that. Isn't that a thing with Obi-Wan, too? Or is he good with animals? I can't remember. I don't know. Well, like, Master and... I'm trying to remember that scene in Master and Apprentice. Yeah, I know. They they mention it in Master the, of The, like, Apprentice. race thing? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Um, but Loden's... Or not Loden. Bell's whole thing in this is really, like, feeling this immense grief for this master that he lost and, like, trying to figure out how to move forward. And he gets a new master in this time, and she's kind of helping him as well. Um, but his major role in this book, I feel like, is to show, like, how these Jedi are dealing with, like, this loss in the sphere. And you also see that again in Crash Point Tower to kind of jump around a little bit. Um, so Crash Point Tower takes place, like, within the Rising Storm, which I think Mm -hmm. we've kind of reached now. Um, they're also on Valo. They discover that the comms tower isn't working, and then the Nile attack, and they're like oh my god, we gotta figure and, out how to... And it's, it's like, swarmed by Drangir. Yeah, it's swarmed by Drangir. So, like, it's these two Padawans racing to this tower to get the comms back working so that the rest of the Jedi in the Rising Storm can, like, call for reinforcements and, like, mm-hmm. get some help down here. And there's a character named Lula, who is a Padawan. She's from the Adventure Comics. And she's dealing with the same thing. Like, she says that she always feels attached to everybody and, like, she feels like she's failing as a Jedi. And Vernestra actually tells her that it's about balance. We, like, feeling and caring is what makes the Jedi great. And it's all about balance. Like, you find the balance in the Force and you find the balance within you. And I really, really like that. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like that's what the Jedi were missing for Anakin and for Ben. I think that's, like, um, what makes Vernestra such a good Jedi and what, you know, like, everyone's like, oh, she's the perfect Jedi. She's, like, the perfect technical Jedi. But I think she also has, like, 
the mental skills too Mm -hmm. and that's that's shown here she's very wise i feel like and Mm -hmm. i I keep forgetting it was mentioned and i i completely forgotten she was stellan's padawan yeah um which makes a lot of sense now that i think about it i'm excited to see more from her in a young adult setting yeah because she's what she's 17 now yeah yeah she's about 17 I think there's more depth to her that I would really like to see. Because she seems oddly scared of the the dark side for somebody who seems to, like, be really well balanced. So I'm interested to see that. So to get into a little bit more with Crash My Tower, because that's, like, that's basically what's happening. Um, The other main character in this is Ram. Do you want to tell us Mm -hmm. a little bit about this precious baby boy? Um, (laughs) Ram is a Jedi on Balo. But he, like, specializes in machinery. Like, he's, like, Anakin. Like, he's really good with machines. Um, And it's, like, a specialty. And you kind of see that in the High Republic. Is that, like, the Jedi all kind of specialize. Like, they're Jedi, but then they each have, like, their own little, like, thing. And, like, for Bram, this is machines. Yes. Yeah, and he's, like, very... He feels, like, very isolated. Like, he kind of feels um, like the nerdy kid at the lunch table, which I like. Yeah. And he owns that as well. I like his relationship with Lula. Like, it, they re- literally, like, crash into each other. And it's... He's really funny. I think um, Daniel Jose Older makes this book just such a fun read. Um, I love the droid in this, too. The one that they ride. I can't think of his name. But he's so sassy. <laughs> I love me a sassy droid. Some other things in this book... Um, a lot of the crew from the adventure comics is in this, and one of them is Master Cantum Sai, who is a non-binary Jedi. Yeah, they're from. So they're from the comics. They're from the adventure comic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, her whole cool. crew. So like, what I've gathered is that Lula, Sai, all those others, um, and then a character named Zine are from the adventure comics, and the adventure comics are actually them rescuing Zine, so, like, her family and, like, everything was attacked by Niall. Yeah, I remember that that whole, mm-hmm. that was kind of summarized at the beginning of this book. Yeah, that is the, like, that storyline, I'm pretty sure, in the adventure comics. Mm-hmm. So I think, I, I think you get more Psy in that. I would love more Psy just in general. <laughs> I really love them. They seem really great. Um, but Zine is an interesting character because she is not a Jedi because her people... Um, they're, like, raised to not trust the Jedi, but she is a Force user. So she's traveling around with Lula, and they go and talk to her people, because they're trying to track down the Nile as well, and they say that the Nile began as an infection within our ranks, and we, when we cut off the affected area, instead of it dying, it grew, it grew and spread and became many different things, chaos, but everything must return to its source. And I feel like that there's a lot of that kind of going on. Something about bringing balance and returning again, because that kind of ties yeah. in with Mercurian Row as well. Yeah, and, and that reminds me of the Drengear. Like, the Nile are uprooting the Drengear and spreading them across planets and, eco- like, ecosystems that aren't even necessarily, like, what the Drengear like. Mm-hmm. Well, and they're lying to them, too. Because mm-hmm. I, I think the major thing we learn in this, I think, is that the Nile and the Drangir are together now. Like, they've, they've kind of joined forces. And yeah. they were like, we're going to put you on this planet and you can have it. Eat meat. Yeah. You can have the meat. You can have the meat. Um, when really yeah. they were going to destroy and kill everybody here anyway. Um, that's kind of how they 
get the Drin gear onto their yeah. side. And apparently the Drin gear can fly. <laughs> like, what? But the last thing I think with Crash Point Tower um, is that we have a character that crosses over into the Rising Storm, and that is Ty Yorick. Ty Yorick is not a Jedi. She used to be. And we don't get too much about her past. Um, she's now just a saber for fire. And um, I really love her introduction in Rising Storm. She's just kind of on this planet. Um, the villagers ask her to help um, kill a monster who's been killing children. And she knows it's a bad idea, but she helps them anyways. And you get a lot of like inner reflection about her deciding if she's going to help them or not. And she's like, you know, the old me would have just flipped a coin basically to decide if I was going to help them or not. But now she's, um, I guess she's softening a little bit and she's, she decides to help and she kills the drain gear that has been killing the children. Um, and then later on when she's just returning from that, she is asked to, to be a bodyguard basically for a woman and her daughter. Yeah. And in the words of Lula from Crash Point, why would anyone with the force leave the order? I wonder why. That is the question, isn't it? <laughs> we still don't really know. Um, and it, it's very interesting because I don't think she mentions a corridor of the lost, which makes me think. Yeah, the lost 20. Yeah, it's like the lost 20. Um, but it's not a 20 yet. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how many it is right now. Um, and she mentions, like, she wouldn't technically be in there and, like, all that kind of stuff. So it does make me wonder. Like, we haven't really seen something like this um, where, like, somebody's just walked away from the Order and they're just kind of, like, figuring themselves out other than, like, maybe Ahsoka. But again, like, Ahsoka hasn't done her Jedi trials yet, so she's, she's like, tie. Yeah. It's... I'm, like, really looking. And I think it's really clear that Ty is going to be, if not a major character, like, a, a pretty a pretty major character mm-hmm. um, going forward. She, like you said, that she comes into play because she is um, a bodyguard for somebody. I think her name is Mantiza um, yeah. and her daughter. Um, and Ty and her daughter, something was going on there, um, <laughs> which was really interesting until it wasn't. <laughs> um, but... Basically, what we discover is that Mantiza created this device that can disrupt energy fields, like with blasters, um, but especially with Jedi lightsabers. Yeah, and she's using some illegal substance to, to like, wire this thing, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the problem becomes they, they're arrested when they, like, arrive on Valo. They're thrown into prison. That's how she ends up with Ram and Lula, but... During all of this chaos, like, the ship was um, tossed, and the Nile got the device. Um, so now they have it, and at the end of the book, they do figure out what it is, and so now the Nile have this wonderful machine that can basically turn off all the lightsabers. <sighs> Darker middle chapter. Darker middle chapter. Um, but what else happens with Ty in this book? You, what, what do you mean, like, her forming a bond with another character? Oh, a little force bond, you say? <laughs> yeah, tell, <laughs> is tell it me about a force that. Bond? Like, is it a force bond? 
I don't Is know. It, I have no idea. It rem- it's very reminiscent of Dark Crystal. It, of dream it's fasting. very dream fast. So I, I think we know from the first book, and they've mentioned this, like the Jedi can kind of like all link up and like act as one. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think that part of that is like a power that El- like Avar has. Avar has, yeah. yeah. Um, so basically, as we mentioned, Elzar is like very distraught, and he's running around and he's trying to save people. And I think this happens after. I think this happens before the Force Bond. He actually taps into the dark side. And crashes, like, a whole, like, floating pavilion and, like, kills a whole bunch of Nile. And he's just, I think it says, um, yeah. he's, like, going through all these emotions and at the end he says, like, he could control the frustration and the anger and the guilt and the remorse. He could shape them, bend them to his will. Yeah, but I mean, immediately after, he recognizes that he used the dark side, and he's like, this is not good. No, like, he he knows, like, immediately, like, it's not okay, like, what he was dealing with, and I do think that's interesting, because he, like, he immediately asks for help. So, like, when he comes Mm -hmm. across Ty, um, even though they'd kind of been at odds for most of the book, they create this kind of connection so that they can, I guess she kind of helps him stay grounded. yeah. It's exactly that. And, like, like I was saying, like, earlier about Avar grounding him, that he kind of had, like, a tantrum over her not showing up because I think that he relies on people <laughs> to stay in the light. Mm-hmm. Um, he relies on his attachments to stay in the light, which is, Ooh. like, backwards. That's a, I hadn't thought about it that way. That's a really interesting way to think about it. Mm-hmm. Like, he has to be attached to people in order to walk the light path. Because otherwise, yeah. like, he has to have a tether, otherwise he's otherwise going to he's drown. Otherwise he's alone. Otherwise he is alone. Yeah. And then he's dipping into the dark side. He's literally Taylor Swift hanging onto that piano. <laughs> <laughs> Drift in the sea. Um. So, yeah, so he asked Ty to, like, basically ground him, and they have this weird, like, dream fast force bond where they're holding hands and they see each other's memories and this is like this is the cab like cab scott like of course ty sees avar like in his bed like tangled in sheets at like as padawans <laughs> and i'm like there it is there it is that's that's what i've been waiting for um where is that story Kevin Scott just dropping a little morsel like for us to chew on like how did that happen this puzzle piece honestly the the thread <laughs> goes all the way back to Master and Apprentice with Rail mm-hmm. because you know who else wrote Rail? Kevin Scott yeah the way that they're just dropping pieces of information mm-hmm. To build the bigger picture, it's so good. Yeah, no, they're literally dropping, like, these Jedi are not, like, these perfect monk people. Yeah. And that actually, that's a bad thing, to be like Mm -hmm. that. Um, So how on earth do we get the Jedi that we get in the prequels? Obviously, something bad is going to happen. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, 
like I was saying earlier, I was alluding to it, uh, about the way Avar's written in, like, The Jedi, me, like, not connecting with her so much, and, like, kind of, like, who is this character? Like, she's very bland, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, she's very, like, plain, and, like, I haven't read the comics, so, like, I obviously, like, I haven't gotten that much of her. And then we get this, like, tidbit of info that she had a romance with Elzar while they were Padawans. Um, and, like, it reminds me very much of Harry Potter, like, Harry, Ron, Hermione. Like, in Jedi school, in in Wizard school. Like, I want to see that book. I want to see them as Padawans. I want more pieces of that romance. Like, like, ah, like, I just want... Uh, yeah, I'm, inco- I'm incoherent. I can't talk about it. No, this. it's it's amazing. And, like, that's everything I've ever wanted from the, like, I remember when the High Republic was announced and it was about the Jedi and their golden age and everybody was like, I don't want to see the Jedi be perfect. And I feel like every <laughs> single author was like, we're not going to show you perfect Jedi. Yeah. And I love that. And I just, Kevin Scott gave us I just, romance. <laughs> I, like, I mean, like, go back to that scene at the end of Lady of the Jedi when she re- re- uh, rejects him. I didn't think that they had a history. I Did you? I figured that it was always just, like, an unspoken a connection. One-sided. Yeah, like, they, or, yeah. Had a, they had a connection and, like, she was just kind of, like, like pushing him away. Ignoring it. Yeah. Like, she, like, like, it was... They were aware that there were feelings there, but there was never anything acted upon. Like, that's my impression. And then Kevin Scott comes in and is like, oh, no, they had a history. Yeah. Like, this changes things. I'm, like, imagining just how, like, (sighs) Elzar is so in love with Avar. Yeah. And I feel like the thing is, unlike, like, I just... I can't imagine Star Wars, like, doubling down and being, like, it's Elzar's love for Avar and, like, these other people that are going to lead him down a dark path. I feel like, for once, <laughs> we have to see love bring him back. Like, they, they keep hinting that, like, well, it's like, about the balance. the dark disciple. <laughs> like, the dark disciple. <laughs> um, they keep hinting that, like, it's not wrong to feel love, to feel grief, to feel these emotions. It's all about... The balance within yourself and like that's the like the only problem is that elzar is like out of balance he just needs to like find that balance within himself and like mm-hmm. i feel like a crazy person because we're like back in like 2018 ben solo theory time you know yeah all this theorizing like what's gonna happen but then like there's also like i i do want to give a shout out to the thai elzar ship <laughs> i don't I don't see that as, like, a ship. I'm saying there's a possibility. Like, it's not off the table. They do start off as enemies. And and I know she tells him, like, oh, don't worry, like, you're not my type. But, like, that's something that someone would say and then they would end up together anyways. So are you saying that Ty is bisexual? Yeah. Ooh. Interesting. I, like, listen, I, like... I love Avar and Elzar too. I'm just saying there, are, like, there are possibilities here. There are different ships. Like, no, happen. like, here's the thing, and like, I almost put this in the notes, but I didn't know how to word it, like, written. There is nothing inherently straight about 
Elzar, Ty, Stellan, and Avar. Like, the whole, like, yeah. this squad here. And, like, what I mean by that, I don't mean that, like, everybody's gay and they're in love with each other. I mean that it's, like, a queerness in their relationship and how deeply, like, the trio love each other. And then we have this yeah. interesting new connection with Ty here. Because um, it, it goes, like so much deeper and so much farther than like just like regular friendship and like honestly i never thought star wars would like give us this kind of mm-hmm. deep connection though like you wouldn't say that obi-wan and anakin ha- have that deep connection i think they do but i feel like anakin's be anakin being so much younger than obi-wan and then being a little bit jealous of him kind of kept it from going as far as it could have i think it was there for obi-wan like i really think it was and i think with anakin it was kind of messed up because it was he was like also his father figure so i think his feelings got a little confused i i'm interested in seeing kenobi like what they do there Mm -hmm. i i I really think that for obi-wan like he was in love with Anakin and not necessarily in like a romantic I want to kiss you way, just like mm-hmm. like he was like he loved Anakin. Um mm-hmm. and I'm ready for that emotional pain. <laughs> I wanna see him deal with that in the show. We're kind of getting into like in-game territory. Before we get there, we do have to talk about the Nile. But before we talk about the Nile, there's one other thing that I wanted to mention, and it's that the Chancellor has a gay son named Kip Rep. Kit Kit Rep. I love him. He is described as like this awkward, lanky 17-year-old boy. Oh, I know. And like, I feel bad for him the whole book because he's getting dragged along. Like, he doesn't want to be there. Mm -hmm. He'd rather, like, I get the sense that he would rather be sitting in the library reading than being like dragged, like dragged along. It's like, mom, I don't want to be here. Like, and, like, and the other thing is he recognizes that it's, like, his responsibility to be there because his mom is so important. And, like, and the other thing that's really sad is that he recognizes that, like, his mom tries the best to be a good mom, but she doesn't always have the time for him. But he's, like, oh, like, I recognize that she tries and, like, in the, it's been better lately or something like that. Like, it's so sad. It's, <laughs> I honestly, like, I would love a Kip Rat book. Like... I, lo- I love him already. He's amazing. And, like, he doesn't want to be here. But then, luckily, the mayor's son is, like, really cute. And they sneak off together. I was like, Kevin. <laughs> I love that. So they He doesn't really, like, go into it. But, like, it's really obvious <laughs> that they like each other. Yeah. Um, and that's Belle's side of the story is rescuing Kit Rep and I forget the mayor's son's name. I, kn- I was so shocked that they gave the chancellor a son and that he's like 17. I was like, that's so mm-hmm. interesting. I, I really thought that she was just going to be like this chancellor who didn't have really like any kind of connections. But like, no, they like gave her a family. And I really like that. I really like they did that. All the characters have connections in the High Republic. Which is spectacular amazing i just like i cannot believe even it even marchian Rowe has daddy issues yes yes so let's talk about him so like i i feel like the nile in this book it's very different than how it was in light of the jedi mm-hmm. reminds me of i don't know like any I'm trying to think of what Disney movie reminds me of the most. Like, the way it's, like, the villain and the henchman. Mm-hmm. Kind of, like, 
uh, Hades and Pain and Panic kind of thing. If Pain and Panic shared more than just one brain cell. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, I feel like in Light of the Jedi, it it was mostly about Marcherian Rowe, who's the leader of the Nile. We were learning a lot about him, and in this book, you spend the beginning with him, but it's not told from his perspective. And then Mm -hmm. after that, the perspectives you get are from two of the Tempest runners. And they're kind Mm -hmm. of wanting to stage a coup. They also, like, don't care who they bring down to get to the top. This is absolutely true. (laughs) Like, uh, that's kind of the thing about the Nile. And I think you see that in the first book as well. That, like, they're always willing to stab each other in the back to, like, be on top. And Marturian Mm -hmm. Rowe is aware of this and completely ready to make sure that you don't. <laughs> like, just don't even try, my dude. It's very, like, Game of Thrones. It is very Game of Thrones. I actually did think for a lot of this book that um, Pan, is his name, was gonna do mm-hmm. it. Like, him and Lorna, Lorna D yeah. were, like, gonna take over. But then Lorna D kind of stabs in the back. She's like, you know what, yeah. I'm biding my time. So, yeah. Lorna uh, D is, like, the smart one. She is the smart one. The calculated yeah. one. Do you think she's the main character for Tempest Runner, the audiobook, since she's on the cover? Um, yeah, I think so. I think she's an intriguing character, so she would make a good main character. I like that. I, I kind of like that, um, I would say that Marcherian Rose like, the main boss, and then Lorna D yeah. is, like, the next one down. I think she's It's, like, she's gonna Maul, be... it's like Maul and Kira. <laughs> she is! Oh, mm-hmm. she's Kira! <laughs> I love that. That's great. That's 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 exactly what this is. But what is up? Like, what is Mr. Marturian Rowe doing at the beginning here? Like, wasn't that wild? Oh, my God. Okay, so Dis, like, first of all, like, I'm, like, reading about this, like, bird man. And I'm, like, what does this species look it's like? like? A toucan. So I looked it up, and it's, like, really weird. Yeah, it's, like, a, it's, like, toucan Sam, but, like, not as, like skinny he's like a like like a buff (laughs) toucan sam so like i guess like i'll talk about dis a little bit dis got dis was like a no one in the nile like he was no one and all of a sudden he gets promoted to basically be like martian's like right hand basically like just like and and he was really proud of it everyone was like what like how so he was like really proud of himself for getting here and he goes on this like journey with Martian Rowe then at the very like last minute of this whole journey he realizes that he's being used I'm not like completely sure what this thing is but like it's this like contract like they're trying to see if something works on him like what 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 is it called I don't remember so so it's called the leveler and like I think it's intentionally vague um, cause even at the end, it's like, is it a machine? Is it a beast? Like, we don't know what this thing is. Yeah. Um, but like the thing about Dis is that he's force sensitive, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of crazy. Like there's somebody in the Nile that's force sensitive. I, I really yeah. like that. But he's not really trained though. Right. He, he also explains that like his species like basically frowns upon actually using your force. Like a lot of them are force sensitive, but like you're not supposed to yeah. use it. Well, just like, I feel like it's just like Zine in Crash Point, you know, like mm-hmm. her people distrusted the Jedi and didn't want to be part of that. With Dis, like he has this horrible memory of like um, his entire people like calling him a witch and like, you know, <laughs> like yeah. disowning him. Um, 
so I, I really do like that the higher public is exploring force users outside of the Jedi. I feel like that's something that they haven't really capitalized on very much. Um, so that's really interesting. That's I like that. But Marcherian Rowe takes him to this planet um, where they meet this like weird old lady and she's like taking him to this shrine. He's like wanting this thing and it's so interesting because this this woman is like spouting all of this stuff. It sounds like very religious. And she's saying, you know, like the Jedi are guiding us to destruction. The faithful know it as we knew it on Jeddah, as we knew it on Dalnan. Um, the recreants are in the ascendant and the tide can no longer be turned. Like it sounds so much bigger, like what Marcherian and Roe is doing. And they take Dis into this cave um, where they find, like, these droids that are guarding this thing. And it, like, gets in his head. And he starts, like, having these memories and seeing these things. And the, the woman says he's being cleansed, such as the leveler's power. And it's not a god. It is balance. It, that's what Marturian wants. Like, he takes this leveler with him. And we'll see him unleash it at the end of the book. But we still don't quite know what it is. Yeah. It's, like, I I found myself really confused at the end, like, what was going on. But, like, the whole point is, like, you still, like, they're laying these, like, puzzle pieces out and you're still kind of like, I I don't know. Yeah. So, like, we're going to talk about that. Like, let's let's talk about the end of this book. So, like, the the battle, the Jedi are able to turn the tide, um, especially with the help of, you know, like, Ram and Lula. They get the comms tower back up. And what happens, actually, is that... The Togrudas yes. come to save everyone. Yes, because the queen was here. They come and help her, and they basically, they're they the ones, really, who take out the Nile. So, like, the Nile wanted to kill the Chancellor, and they almost do. She's, like, mortally wounded. Like, <laughs> it, it, yeah. I really thought she was dead for, yeah, like, a good too. minute. Um, she's not. She's fine. But they... Since, like I mentioned before, like everything is being recorded. Like they have this reporter that's like with them all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's like also reporting on like what's happening. So there's this image of um, Stellan holding and crying like over her body. Yes. So like it's the image of like the poster boy like showing all this emotion. And it said at the end of the book um, the picture of him openly weeping over Lenaso's body had become the defining image of the atrocity. Also, using the image to show that the Jedi had been pushed to their limit. So, like, this is going everywhere now. Like, this is now the Republic's view of the Jedi and the Republic itself. And for, like, this poster child, like, to be emotional for once, because he's always Stellan, like, feelings under control, um, perfect Jedi. I forgot that I pulled this passage, too, about him crying and about those emotions. Um, it says, Jedi weren't supposed to cry. They were supposed to keep their emotions in check. But weren't they also supposed to feel compassion for those in pain? For light and life. For light and Stellan heard a whimper but didn't realize it was his own. Oh my god. Like, what Kevin? That's emo. Yeah. Well, and, like, also while this is happening, um, like, Kit Rep comes running out, and he's like, Mom! Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but she does end up being fine, and mm-hmm. she decides, like, she keeps, like, 
she she's trying to like be this vision of hope and she tells Stellan that she officially is giving him like all clearance to like do whatever it takes to bring the Nile down um like her the second great work was now ruined like the, she's now o for 2 and i was thinking about this like do you think that the jedi really had a victory here on valo with what happened with the chancellor no they got they like managed to escape by like by a hair like they didn't win like the tagrudas managed to get everyone safe like the jedi couldn't have done it by themselves no and i think the nile know this because they took out the comms tower so they couldn't call for help Mm -hmm. they couldn't get them rallied together i think part of what they're discovering with the jedi because i think part of their plan is kind of figuring out how they tick and figuring out how to take them down is you get them alone and you get them afraid and they're supposed to only defend, but when you give them no other option and they have to attack, like, it's destroying their values. And so, yeah, like, they got away, um, and, like, the Jedi survived, but, like, they're gonna have to deal with everything that they've done now. So basically, like, after this happens, Elzar does tell Stellan that he had this, like, dark side um, slip-up, <laughs> as you might say. <laughs> And I feel like Stellan did seem pretty supportive and, like, he was going to help, yeah. which I wasn't and expecting. And then later, I was going to say later on, Stellan mentions that he, like, planned a boy's getaway to Jeddah. <laughs> did you notice that? No, I didn't. Okay, like, later on, like, past that point, it's, like, later during the, the um, action part later on, Stellan... Like, it's just, like, mentions that he, like, planned, like, a boy's getaway to Jetta, like, to do, like, forcey stuff to ground Elzar. Oh, my God. <laughs> Listen, Stellan is so pure. And, like, I didn't think Stellan was going to accept him. Like, the, when this happened, I'm like, Stellan and Avar aren't going to accept him. Like, what's going to happen? And I actually do kind of like that Stellan does. And when I thought about it more, I think it's because Stellan is also going through it. Like, he lost his master, and he's, you know, not quite sure how he feels about it. He feels uncomfortable in his very public position. I think a boy's getaway to focus on themselves, do some spa treatments, is exactly what they need. (laughs) (laughs) They could do couples counseling, like in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think they would do well (laughs) with soul gazing. I think their relationship isn't as damaged, though. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, the people who need couples counseling are Elzar and Avar. Now, Avar, what do you think Avar is going to say? I think Avar will be supportive, too, because I have to think that Elzar is a very vulnerable person. Like, he, like, opens up to Avar specifically. I think that um, maybe, like, maybe he hasn't gone as far as, as dipping into the dark side, but I do think that he's probably confided in Avar in a lot of things in the past, at least when they were Padawans. So I do think that Avar would understand. Do you think she will continue to reject him? I don't know. (laughs) That's a question for another day. That is a question that I think we cannot answer because they haven't been together and in a year. In a year. And 
Avar is very focused on her work. Like, from the comics, that's what I have gathered, is that she... Okay, but that's very tropey. It's very tropey. <laughs> like, whereas, like, Stellan, like, doesn't want the job that he has, like, Avar does. Like, Avar is, like, the head of Starlight Beacon. She's, like, the marshal of Starlight Beacon or whatever. And, like, she was made for this job. And she's... Mm-hmm. That's her life. And I, I don't but, like, think... like, her digging into work to avoid feelings... Yeah. I, I don't think she... I think that's happening. I don't think she wants to let those feelings in. I would really love to get more into her head, because I don't think we have yet. We do a little bit with Light of the Jedi, but I would like to see more inside of her head, because I think there's a lot more to her that we haven't seen, which I wouldn't have thought until we got this book, and that's really interesting. So at the end of this book... Um, because Ty is now kind of connected with Elzar, you know, she tells them everything that happened with the device. Uh, we have to go to the Nile. We have to, you know, get it back, like that kind of thing. They do have this kind of like little plan, um, and some, like they get betrayed and like blah, 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 but they, they end up at like the Nile base camp. Yeah. And Mantisa's daughter has been like taken by the Nile. Yes, which they kind of allowed to happen. They, like, snuck yeah. Belle and another Jedi in. Um, but then they found out that Mantis's daughter was, like, totally willing to sell the Jedi out. Because she's like, listen, I'm the one who actually made this thing. Yeah, like, if you're willing to pay me, like, I don't care who's going to take yeah, it. Yeah, that does not go well for her. Uh, the Nile. She dies, doesn't she? I thought she just got really hurt. Does she actually die? I, her mom died. Yeah, I can't remember. Her mom gets, like, eaten by a monster. <laughs> yeah. She gets really hurt, but I don't remember her dying. I, Maybe I missed that part. I can't, the, because be it is fair, very heavy action. Yeah. It's heavy action during that part. The ending like, is really confusing, to I, be fair. like, yeah, there's a lot going on. I might need to reread that part. Yeah. Or when I listen to it, I'll, like, pay attention more to that end. Yeah, we didn't even mention that, like, part of Crash Point Tower, there's, like, a zoo, and they, like, release all the animals mm-hmm. and, to create chaos, and because that happens, Mantis's mother gets eaten alive. Yeah. Um, but they also get dragons, and Elzar and Ty, like, ride into Fly a dogfight on these dragons, yeah. which is pretty cool. <laughs> um, but they're on this planet, and... In the background, we don't get a lot of this, but we do get stuff from Loden and Mary Santeca, just a little bit. She is, like, talking to him through the Force, like, you know, like, the time is coming when you need to escape, and he does. Um, Loden does manage to escape. Belle finally opens himself up and senses him, and it's great. You know, like, I saved my master. Everything's going Mm -hmm. great. Everything's going fine. They're taken out you know, this space, blah, blah, blah. I'll be honest. I really didn't think that Loden was going to make it out alive. No, I thought when he fell off the thing that yeah. that is it. Yeah. I really, like, I was like, there's no way Loden's getting out of this. I don't know how he's going to die, but he's going to die. Yeah, well, like, I was really surprised because I'm like, wow, they, like, already got him back together. Like, we didn't even get that much of him and being tortured, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Marcherian lets loose the leveler. Yeah. And again, like, I don't know what this thing is. Like, if it's a beast, if it's a machine, whatever. Yeah. But it does something to Bell. Like, I, I think it's the same thing that it did to Dis. Like, it got in mm-hmm. his head. But then, somehow, Loden is turned to stone and crumbles away to dust. 
And that's just how the book ends. Yeah, like, I think from a narrative point of view, I think that Loden was destined to die because Belle's whole journey in this, in, in the High Republic has been, like, trying to detach himself from Loden, like, learning to stand on his own. And, but he was just missing that closure. So, like, of course, now he has the closure of Loden dying in front of him. He is traumatized at the end of this yeah. book. Yeah. <laughs> He's super traumatized. Like, I don't know if the leveler affects <clears throat> affects Belle also. I think it got in his head, I think, is the thing. Because I, when I was going back through and I was looking at um, some of the, like, the notes that I'd made, it seems like it, it does do something to Belle. But then, like, it, it's cutting back and forth a lot with the points of view. Um, Elzar has, like, another vision of, like, these horrible things happening, and, like, Stellan gets a call, like, you need to see this, and, like, he goes over, and that's when he sees Belle, like, crumpled on the ground, like, in the fetal position, and, like, Loden is stone, and as he's looking at him, like, Loden, like, crumbles away to nothing. So, like, we don't really know what happened there. And it just ended. Like, there was no, ep- I thought there would be an epilogue. Yeah. It just ended. I was so shocked there wasn't an epilogue. And, like, I, I wonder if Tempest Runner is gonna, like, pick up like close to that if we're gonna get more information with that and like maybe that's why like it's gonna happen a little bit closer together and what about out of the shadows well out of the shadows is gonna be like vernestra eerie and like the new character so but is it gonna be it has a later release date than these is it happening after the events of this that's so true well, Vernestra, like, not that, like we're gonna get that much info, but like I'm right. just wondering, like why is the release date in a month? Right. Well, that's how it was with the first as well, and mm-hmm. Into the Dark did play take place after the events of the first book. Vernestra, I- Vernestra and Eerie are on Valo when this happens because they're in Race to Crash Point Tower. Mm-hmm. So if it's after, we have to. I feel like it has to tell a little bit, but I also think, yeah. you know, the cool thing about this is that, like, when you read every book together, like, you get the complete picture, but you could just read the adult books, or you could technically just read, like, the YA books. I think the books that do it the best are the middle grade, like, really stand mm-hmm. on their own. So I wonder if it tells you but maybe it does leave a little bit up to like well if you haven't read this book we're not gonna spoil it kind of thing but i think that that brings us to the end of these two books yeah we kind of weaved in and out of both of them well they do that together (laughs) yeah is there um anything that we missed that you want to bring up now no i don't think so i think so yeah so i honestly have no idea how to predict what's coming next. I don't even think I can. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I like I guess the Tempest Runner might be about trying to take down Row. I don't know. I, I wonder if it'll be if it's a it could be like background on the Nile. It could be continuation. I have no idea. And part of me wonder I mean like this is like so dark right now. And I do wonder if the next book, if there are three, I mean, I guess technically there could be more waves, like they didn't say. So if this is a trilogy, 
is it going to end on a high note going into wave two or could it possibly end and things are darker going into wave two could it possibly be that there's more books you're saying like phase two is the darker middle chapter yeah (laughs) so like we're saying like oh my god wave two it's so dark and we're like we're gonna eat our words in like yeah like all um, the phase two is dark now or something (laughs) like that's that's my question. Like, is I I don't know where we're going. I I don't know if there there is a prediction for it. I definitely think we're gonna see more time. I think we have to get a reunion with Avar at some point. I think, judging from like the clues in this book, where we're going in the comics is Avar and all of them investigating the dream gear they keep mentioning that she wasn't there because she was on the rooted home world for the dream gear which they haven't gotten to in the comics um mm-hmm. so that's that's where the comics are going at least i know these things <laughs> but the rest i do not know so coming next um at the end of july will be out of the shadows by justina ireland um, i think we're both pretty excited for that we both really like justina ireland mm-hmm are you going to start reading it soon? I feel like now is too soon to start reading it. <laughs> um, I'm about to finish one book, and I'm either going to start A Great and Terrible Beauty, which is recommended to me by the one and only Caitlin Plesher, um, or something else. I haven't decided yet, but I'm excited for that. I'm very excited. But coming up next for us, back in our regularly scheduled time, we will be back with more of our Bad Batch Babies stuff is going down. We got we're getting a lot of stuff with Miss Omega. Mm-hmm. Things are happening. <laughs> Loki tomorrow. Loki tomorrow. Oh, another bit of news bringing it up with the Bad Batch um also goes into uh Book of Boba Fett. Slave 1 is no more. It is now Boba Fett's Starfighter. <laughs> Why don't they just give it a new name? Maybe they will. Maybe that'll be like an arc in Book of Boba Fett. Oh. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll name it um, Fennec. <laughs> or he'll name it Grogu. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but that's going to do it for this episode. If you would like to keep the conversation going, we are pretty much always on Twitter at lip underscore lightsabers. We would love to talk about these books with you. They are absolutely amazing. I am at McCarter Shannon. Alex is at Alex Leonis, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.